atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman and Kurt Crosby live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for what, June 1st already? In the year of our Lord, 2020? Ladies and gentlemen, this is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. We use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide. We're also convinced that checks and balances, they're brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers, ladies and gentlemen, and one of the great peaceful solutions we have at our fingertips. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. On Saturday, I was camping, so we had no show. Rebroadcast of a previous show. Hopefully that was enjoyable. We only picked the best rebroadcasts. From all the shows we do to bring to your attention, by the way. So whenever you hear about a rebroadcast, know that it's something that I've specially picked for you, saying this is worth a repeat. Uh, Sometimes you haven't heard it the first time. Sometimes it's worth hearing again as a blatant reminder of how on target the news is. Even if it's six months, a year, year and a half, whatever ago, it's still as relevant as all get out. Anyway, I was camping, practicing some social distancing, had a wonderful time. Hope you had a great God, family, country-filled weekend as well. A quick recap, though, of Friday's broadcast, right before we took off. We had our guest on, former Sheriff Richard Mack, CSPOA.org. And we talked about, can we expect a long, hot summer of violence and riots? And the answer is clearly and obviously, yes, the second I said that on Friday's broadcast, literally 12 hours later, they were rioting so bad they had to whisk the president to safety in the bunker. Literally, cities you thought would never be busting into riots were rioting and melting down and destroying property, even Salt Lake City, Utah, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. Curfews in place all over the country. Simultaneous breakout. They want you to believe it's just local people raging and rioting, but it's false. It's provocateurs. We'll get into that next hour more. But I'm telling you right now, you can expect a long, hot summer of violence and abuse, and it's out of control, folks. I'm telling you right now. But there's only one reason it's happening. is because we've turned our backs as a nation on God, folks. Remember that. And the only answer to solve these problems is to return to God Almighty. All right, hour two. We talked about Maxine Waters, says President Donald Trump. His racist, quote, dog whistling and white supremacists contributed to the death of George Floyd. See how they're just literally ratcheting it up, even in the halls of Congress, folks? Wow. Donald Trump basically made a statement I don't think he should have made, but he made it nevertheless. He said when the looting starts, the shooting starts. A, quote, callback to the 60s. President Trump said he didn't know it hailed from the 60s, but nevertheless, a very concerning statement from the president of the United States as well, something that I would have never said. I understand the point. We'll get into that again next hour in more detail. Ten weeks, 40.7 million jobless claims. Yeah. It is immense, folks. They say it's almost a 15% unemployment rate, the highest since the Depression back in the 1930s. Post-pandemic inflation, they say. Maybe just what we need, says the New York Times. Wow. What are they talking about? Do you want inflation, deflation, stagflation, all the ills of fiat currency? I sure don't. Let's return to constitutional money right away, please. Gold and silver constitutional coinage is what I call for. Let's audit and end the Fed, shall we please? 
We talked about a poll half of Americans would get a COVID-19 vaccine. Kurt wisely points out, you know, that's the way they write it, but would write it differently. That means uh, 50 plus percent would not get one. Unless they're forced by the military there now. Whole different discussion, huh? I guess two French kids reportedly discovered some gold bars worth over $100,000 during the lockdown. <laughs> That's kind of interesting. I wish I could find some gold bars. <laughs> I wish the whole nation could find some gold and silver constitutional currency to focus on, huh? All right. Uh, they say any cuts to state education budget will be devastating. To Utah students, UEA president warns. Look, we've been uh, wanting to shut down funding for government education forever. After all, it's part of the Communist Manifesto. Uh, nevertheless, <laughs> they want you to believe it's going <clears> to <throat> cause problems. You know, the, the reality is children staying at home should save money, not cost money, right? We talked about WHO, the World Health Organization guidance. They say healthy people should wear masks only when taking care of coronavirus patients. Let me say that again. The World Health Organization is now saying healthy people should only wear masks when they're taking care of coronavirus patients. Now Donald Trump says we're going to get rid of the who. They're not honest or right or whatever. But I, you know what? The who's right on this one. Yeah, again, I'm against the who when they're not right. But when they're right, I'm going to give them credit. In this case, they're right. That's been the guidance literally for decades on masks from our own organizations and our own professionals for literally decades. Now we change on the dime. They stick with the truth. And we claim they don't have scientific backing for their claims. Interesting. All right. A turtle smashed through a Savannah Georgia's driver's windshield, I guess on Truman Parkway. Don't know how that, you know, occurred, but kind of trippy news there for sure. Husband makes bed for the first time in 45 years. Wife shares hilarious aftermath photos. The whole world's melting down. Kurt Crosby's having a little bit of, uh, you know, time at levity. But Kurt's right. You know what? Laughter is some of the best medicine. Sometimes we just got to chuckle at what goes on in the world, huh? They say truth is stranger than fiction. Boy, howdy, is that the truth? U.S. Senator warns Twitter could use, I'm sorry, could lose shield from liability. I pray that happens. I don't know why these big media companies have shield from liability in the first place, huh? Election disaster, I guess mail-in voting. State now confirms that Trump's fears are, are realized thousands were sent wrong balance, ballots and non-citizens. Automatically registered. Wrong ballots sent to the wrong people and non-citizens now being registered to vote. It's a disaster, folks, and it's only going to get worse. Walter E. Williams wonders how Americans are going to recover their freedom after the pandemic. The answer is they're not, folks. A lot of freedom will be lost, and it won't be recovered. You say, why, Sam? Isn't this temporary? No, when you violate the commandments of God, temporary things become permanent. And temporary losses of liberty become permanent. The only way to bring it back is for the people to repent and turn to the author of liberty. That's God. That's the only way, folks. I know I sound like a broken record. I get it. But obviously nobody's listening. Or else we'd be turning to the almighty God and would be receiving blessings. But we're not. We're just stuck on stupid for some strange reason as a country. Election 2020. The folly of vote by mail. Andy Schlafly with this piece doing a great job. Democrats even want unions to be able to collect ballots. Could you imagine the thug unions collecting ballots, folks? Wow. All right, that's a recap of Friday's show.
It is still available at libertyroundtable.com. Spread the word. Tell your neighbors, would you please? Without further ado, Lowell Nelson, campaignforliberty.org. Welcome back, sir. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. Good morning. Warrantless surveillance battles in Congress. Heating up, folks. And this is something, by the way, that is you know hard for people to even realize is going on. Uh, but you know what? Congress um, hasn't really been stopping during the pandemic. It only feels that way, Lowell. Yeah, yeah, it feels like there's nothing else happening but the pandemic, but uh, maybe this... And the riots. They're allowed to talk about pandemic and riots. <laughs> yeah, maybe this, these are just distractions to keep us away from what's really happening. But anyway, so last week in Congress, the U.S. House uh, voted... Well, well, they were scheduled to vote on H.R. 6172, which is legislation authorizing three of the most dangerous provisions of the USA Freedom Act. So reauthorize those bad boys. That's what they're thinking, right? Well, it also had an amendment attached to it, writing with it, uh, uh, saying or requiring federal agencies that they have to obtain a warrant before spying on Americans' Internet use. Well, that would have been a good thing, right? So three bad things and one good thing scheduled to go down last week. <laughs> what happened? Well, this, this, uh, it, it, didn't, it just never happened. It, it, they, the House uh, was going to vote on it. They were scheduled to vote on it. And then at the last minute, uh, Pelosi just uh, took it off the calendar and said, hey, we are not voting on this. And, well, so here's the backstory on that. Um, it, it, a very similar amendment to this came within one vote of passing the Senate last week and would have passed had the two senators who said they were going to vote for it had attended and, and voted for it. They needed 60 votes, but they got 59, right? So it's really close in the Senate. But uh, it turns out that the lead sponsor for this amendment in the House agreed to change the amendment uh, to get, make it more liberal or worse, basically, to, to change the amendment to get the support of Adam Schiff, you know, the, the guy who was, uh, you know, of the House Intelligence Committee wanting to do so much damage to Trump, right? So Schiff's change opened the door for the FBI and other intelligence agencies to collect all the data connected to an IP address without first making sure that there were no American citizens using that site. In other words, shift changes provided a loophole for intelligence agencies to continue to collect our Internet history without obtaining a warrant. Well, some liberty-minded Republicans didn't like that, and some progressive Democrats, they didn't like that. So they were going to vote this thing down. And Speaker Pelosi decided to bring the bill to the floor without uh, providing any opportunity uh, to vote on the amendment. <laughs> so here, then Trump's tweeter goes off, and he, he tweets that the Republicans ought to appeal to, oppose this bill because it really doesn't reform the FISA court. And then he promises to veto the bill if it came to his desk. <laughs> so Republicans who voted for this similar bill in March changed their positions and opposed it this time around. Pelosi, knowing that, uh, she couldn't pass the bill without their, their support. Uh, instead of uh, voting on the actual bill, she just pulled it off the floor, said, we are not going to vote for this. We're sending it to committee, to conference committee. And that, folks, is how we stop a bad thing from happening once again. Or almost got a good thing to happen. Yeah, and when you say stop, let's be very careful. We have temporarily stopped. We better keep yeah. up the fight. These... You know, people never give up is the problem, folks. Hang tight. Liberty Roundtable Live. Lowell Nelson, Campaign for Liberty.org in seconds. Have we realized the assault against our lives, our liberties, our faith? 
To defeat this assault, Christians and all people of goodwill should have strategies to prevail in our faith and principles, which are simple. No need for a complex formula. One goal, one aim. A strategy like the heroic Christians of the past. We win, they lose. Nothing less. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm by a friend of Megagoria. The Strategy of Heaven Revealed. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm. Available on Amazon.com or by calling Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. The spirit of the American West is alive and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues that affect the American West, its people, lifestyles, lands, and wildlife. The Loving Liberty Radio Network is proud to support the publisher's efforts to provide an active forum for solutions that preserve the vanishing American cowboy, farmer, and sheep herder. Each issue contains informative articles on life in the American West, along with breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of the cowboy spirit in our day. Each issue of Range Magazine also features great gift ideas, like the 2020 Real Buckaroo Calendar and the book Tales from Out There. Order online from Range magazine.com just click on the shopping cart the loving liberty radio network salutes the spirit of the american west and those who are keeping it alive at range magazine all right lowell nelson campaign for liberty.org on your radio Warrantless surveillance battles continue in Congress, and we have a temporary stoppage, which is good news, uh, ladies and gentlemen. The problem is, you know what? We keep electing people that want to take away your freedoms. They sound good on the campaign stage, and then, hey, man, when they get back there in Congress, they're ready to just destroy your rights, destroy your sovereignty and your protection. We got to stop it and expose it, folks, and that's what this program does very well, thanks to Lowell Nelson and many others. David Stockman writes a point to highlight the issue even further, Lowell. Yeah, I like David's uh, perspective here, uh, Sam. You know, he was uh, a congressman, and then he served in the Reagan administration, one of uh, Reagan's advisors. So he, he knows a ton of people back there and knows how things work. And and uh, so it's, and, but, but he's, he's more of a liberty-minded guy than, than most back there. So it is fun to get his perspective sometimes. And and his perspective he offered in a column over the weekend was that Randolph Bourne, who, who talked about uh, this, this thing called war is the health of the state, he, uh, he, uh, he, he's thinking, holy cow, we've got sickness is the health of the state. If Randolph Bourne had been alive today, he would have written an article saying sickness is the health of the state. In, in, in uh, his quote 100 years ago, he, uh, Randolph says, it, uh, talking about war, he says, it automatically sets in motion throughout society those irresistible forces for uniformity, for passionate cooperation with the government in co coercing into obedience the minority groups and individuals which lack the larger herd sense. End of quote. Well, 
that's exactly what we got going right now. We got state control of the economy and the social life in America. We got stay-at-home uh, orders, lockdown orders decreed by mayors and health department officials and governors into nearly every nook and cranny of daily life. There's essentially subjecting tens of millions of Americans to house arrest and uh, entombment in this uh, this uh, mythological six-foot cylinder of of physical distance. Right? We got to have this distance from everybody. Well, the pretext. Sam, has been that the, the coronavirus presents a dire threat to the very life and limb of the American public, and that exigent and invasive controls on individual action and daily com- commerce are as necessary, uh, are, are necessary to stop its spread. Well, that is a lie, a huge lie, a gargantuan lie, says David Stockman. The risk of death to the average healthy person under 60 years of age is no greater than the risk entailed in commuting 50 miles per day by car to work and back. No higher. That's it. And, 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 and besides, once a highly contagious virus gets loose among the general population, which the coronavirus has done long before and, and did long before lockdown, uh, this, the, the great freakout occurred um, on March 13th. Uh, way back in January, this thing was out. Its spread cannot be stopped anyway. In fact, it shouldn't be stopped, he said. And here, Sam, he's talking about the way we treat a virus the way I grew up. You know, we welcome it, right? When the virus is already out of the the barn door, relatively benign among 95% of the population, then the right course of action is to let freedom reign. That is, enable its natural spread among the healthy population and thereby foster the herd immunities that the human organism and social community have been deploying to combat such diseases for millennia. <laughs> I love it, Sam. Stockman uh, then quotes this, and this is the, the funniest part of this column, Kurt. The Stockman quotes, uh, quotes a lawsuit from an Illinois businessman, uh, which, which I think illustrates the hypocrisy of this corona apocalypse. He says, I won't get COVID if I get an abortion. But I will get COVID if I get a colonoscopy, right? I mean, he's talking about essential services, right? Well, and it just shows the nature of the propaganda and the highlighting. (laughs) Churches are shut down. Abortion clinics are rolling. You know, that doesn't kind of highlight the reality as well, to make his point. The selling pot's essential, but selling goods and services at a family-owned business is not. (laughs) A family of six can pile in the car and drive to Carlisle Lake without contracting COVID. But if they all get in the same boat, then they will contract COVID. We are told that kids rarely contract the virus and that sunlight kills it. But summer youth programs and sports programs, yep, they're canceled. Four people can drive to the golf course, but they can't get COVID, uh, you know, driving to the golf course. But if they play as a foursome, then they will get COVID. Got to wear a mask on that golf course. If I go to Walmart, I won't get COVID. But if I go to church, I will. It's just, you know, it's just incredible, Sam, the hypocrisy of these government regulation, this minutia. So anyway, that's Stockman on his discussion of the pandemic, illustrating how physical distancing and mask wearing really don't make an appreciable difference in mortality rates. You can watch, you can read the whole column at, at um what is this? This distance at ronpaulinstitute.org. Um, he, he goes. It's a long column. It's very worthwhile reading. But you know, we have to let's take a second. Let's take a second though to highlight the the title of the column for one minute. 
because I think this yeah. is really important. Read the, the uh, title of this column. Sickness is the health of the state. And that's really, uh, we need to kind of compare. War is the health of the state. Sickness is the health of the state. Um, what they thrive on in growing government power. Excuse me. What they thrive on when they grow government power is whatever is the crisis of the day. Richard Mack highlights this phrase a lot because it was used in his Supreme Court case. Whatever the crisis of the day is, they want to capitalize on. So I don't know if you know, but stores are closing in mass. People are reducing hours in mass now because of the, quote, riots. So now you have riotous violence going on. You have the corona pandemic going on. And what government gets to do is do whatever they want in these supposed crises. And this is the point that the headline makes that I think is really critical to understand and be aware of. Folks, look, sickness is the health of the state. Um, And we're not talking about Steve Stockman. This is David Stockman. Uh, But David Stockman highlights this very well and makes this point that, look, we fall for the lie and then um, government grows. All right. So now it's sickness or violence or whatever uh, or war. And they'll always drive a truck through that. And what the idea is, is you can't really oppose it or you're not a patriot. You can't really oppose them or you're not. You don't care about your neighbor. You can't really oppose them or 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 or. And that's really the thrust of the column that I can't I can't let go of. I got to kind of circle back and highlight with the incredible title written because I think it says it all, Lowell. Yeah, that's a great point, Sam. It absolutely is. And they use this uh, problem. They create the problem. They're they're complicit in creating the problem. Whether it's the boogeyman of the Cold War of the 1960s, 70s, 80s, or whether it's the boogeyman of the, the next few decades, the, the, the radical Islam terrorist, right? They upgrade that guy. Now it's the sickness. It's the COVID. They helped create this guy. They need the boogeyman out there so they can bring to, bring to bear, bring to the fore all the powers of the state. It gives them a reason for their existence, and we fall for it over and over, Sam. Yes, and it's up to us to call them out on it. It's us up to us uh, to create the fight, the pushback, <clears throat> the uh, resistance, so to speak. Uh, and the headline for the next one that shows people doing just that, Smackdown, Homes- Homeschool Park Patriots versus Brazoria County Park Officials. Uh, Daniel McAdams with the piece, but I think he's highlighting a lot of this pushback and again this pushback is peaceful it's not part of the riotous issues but that's the problem when you push back now it's going to be assumed that you're part of this riotous agenda or this hostile violent hate-filled agenda and what it does is it undermines the real patriots fighting back against uh, in my opinion tyrannical out of control government um but that's really the issue highlight this one lol yeah, this is uh, very illustrative of um, patriots doing good things very quietly, not in a uh, violent manner at all. In fact, I decided not to cover some of the the the, 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 the situations where the policemen go undercover and act as agent provocateurs in this violence. I mean, that's a great topic, which I'm sure you'll cover, Sam. But but what I chose is these patriots, these moms and their, and dads and their and their children. Uh, this is down in Texas. They they went to a park, and the park had been closed by you know the order of the municipality. Uh, the mayor basically said, "Let's close the parks." 
but it wasn't a law. So there, there, there's no law passed by a deliberative assembly. It was only the mayor just issuing some executive order. And these parents went on to went to a park in down in Texas, in Lake Jackson, Texas, land of the land of Ron Paul. And they just uh, when the policemen came and ordered them out out of the park, um, they they refused to go. They said, you know, if you'll show it, we 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 will obey the law. If you'll show us the law where the you know the city council uh, you know passed the law saying we close the park, then we'll leave. But you got to show us the law. And of course, they couldn't do that, and they allowed the people to stay playing on the playground with their children. Sam. All right, let's talk about it more. The the people split up and stand for the sacred cause of liberty and do it peacefully. What an example to follow. Hang tight. We'll tell you about it on your radio. All right, so we're in Texas talking about the homeschool patriots fighting with government. Literally, it's an epic battle going on, but it's peaceful. It's not part of the riots you see across the country on a different matter. Uh, they overlap. Sad to say, people are going to get confused on who's who and what's what. But these patriots are peacefully standing for what they believe in and for their rights, Lowell. Yes, uh, they even have a YouTube uh, clip of the interaction between these homeschool moms and dads with their Brazoria County officials, the police who came to, to throw them out of the park. Now, they, I think they were very careful about, you know, what they chose to do. And, and there wasn't a single parent who stood out from the rest. And, uh, and, and you know, because I think if, if only one person does the talking, then, then they probably would get arrested. That's kind of what happened in, in the Idaho incident uh, two or three weeks ago, was that there's just one mom that uh, it seemed like she was doing all the talking and, and doing all the objecting and so forth, and they finally arrested her. But, but here in this video, you can see that there's these nine or ten moms and dads. Uh, not a single one of them acted like the leader, but they're all asking the right questions. You know, the police officer says, the city has closed the parks. You get your children out of the park, uh, is what he was saying. That the parents, half a dozen of them said essentially, and it makes it hard to, to understand, you know, because they're all talking at once. But where does it say that the park is closed, sir? There has to be a law. The police officer explains again, the playground is not open, he insists. And the parents say, they reply, they say, well, the, the playground and the park belongs to us. So we, we the people, you know, uh, like that tattoo you got on your arm. It says, we the people, that belongs to us. And the police asked, uh, are, are you guys anti-vaxxers? <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, he just takes them off the rails there, trying, trying to bait them, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. And then and he, and he says again, you know, get your children off the playground. And this time a parent replies, he says, no, we choose not to obey that authority. If you cite a law, we'll be happy to follow it. You know, just over and over. That was basically what they said. He said, no, we are not leaving. So it's this... this um, uh, it's passive resistance. You know, they're going to resist obeying a law, which they know not to be a law. They knew it was simply a mayoral declaration, executive order, basically, with, which is not law, right? I don't care if the mayor passes an, an ordinance or, or orders you off of the, the playground. If it's not done by a deliberative body, meaning the city council uh, that, that has that authority or the state legislature, then it is no law and you don't have to obey it even though the police officer makes you think. And so 
after this exchange, it went on about two or three minutes. Finally, the police officer just turned and left. <laughs> you know, and that's how vic- that's what victory looks like, guys. I mean, you want to reclaim liberty? Take a look at this. You know, this uh, thing at RonPaulInstitute.org. This video. And in fact, this. But by the way, Sam, this happened right here in Highland. Uh, similar, something similar. Kristen Chevrier complained to the city council as well to the mayor. It says, why are the parks roped off in this yellow caution tape? You know, up until two weeks ago, and complained about it, and then finally they they decided to pull it down and uh, and invited. I need volunteers to come help, and so Kristen went and helped pull down the yellow caution tape from all of the playgrounds here in Highland, Utah. And so, you know, th- this is how it works. We're we're in contact with our city officials. And we make our wishes known, and then, you know, good things will happen as long as our wishes are along the lines of liberty, Sam. That's, that's just how it works. Amen to that. And it's everybody's right to stand up for what they believe in. And governments are taking too much power, ladies and gentlemen, without legitimate authority. And I know people feel like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to push back. It's unpatriotic, you know, especially when we got a pandemic. I mean, they're just trying to protect us. And the answer is no, they're not, folks. That's the problem. Sickness has become the health of the state. Remember David Stockman's point? Okay, this is where they're going too far, and there needs to be pushback, folks. Uh, Speaking of that, I'll take an example out of the playbook to make the point. They're acting like social distancing is a flat-out scientific fact. By golly, if you don't do it, how dare you question it? What are you trying to do? Kill everybody idea. But the truth is, do you even know how this, quote, social distancing idea originated? Lowell's going to tell you. (laughs) <laughs> and that's because Daniel McAdams knows the story on this, the story again at ronpaulinstitute.org. This guideline came originated from a computer model created by a 15-year-old Albuquerque, New Mexico high school student named Laura Glass. Okay, so Laura Glass, she's 15 years old, going to high school, right? And uh, her dad, Robert, is a government scientist working that was then working at the Sandia National Laboratory. Uh, they they cooked up a homebrew computer model for a science and engineering fair in May of 2006. Okay, so that's 14 years ago, May of 2006. Robert Glass had been working on computer models for the National Infrastructure Simulation and Analysis Center at Sandia, and often worked from home. So part of his work entailed computer models showing how people come into contact with each other during everyday life. So his daughter picks up on that idea and makes a model to project how high school students could possibly uh, transmit infectious diseases. Well, obviously her model depends on interaction of the high school students, and so she theorized that if, if one got infectious disease and by interacting with all the others, you know, two more and those two interact with two more or, or those three act, interact with five more, whatever. Using that kind of a model, she was able to show how a viral infection could, could really be disastrous to a whole community. Well, she took third place in the medicine and health category of the science fair. Now, that normally would have been the end of the story for most things, but Robert Glass, her dad, is no small, you know, uh, no small player he had all the government connections because of his work at the Sandia National Laboratory. And so um, when, when high school sophomore Laura Glass, was, uh, while she was creating this contagion computer model, 
showing how contagious diseases could be spread. Well, the George Bush administration was feverishly working on a bioterrorism countermeasure, right? This is what was happening back in 2006. Somehow, news of the Laura Glass High School science project wound up in the hands of the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, and, and so Robert got a call, and Laura got a call from Homeland Security requesting a brief for Secretary Michael Chertoff. The White House uh, uh, was holding a cabinet-level counter-bioterrorism briefing, and uh, no idea was too loony to consider, so Glass's briefing uh, suggested that the whole segment of society should be shut down based on his daughter's computer model. That's what Robert Glass did from Sandia Laboratory, went to the White House and gave, and basically told him his, his daughter's computer model, and that's where we got this idea of a lockdown. Ultimately, the CDC made social distancing official policy in February of 2007. That was just 13 years ago, Sam, and now they call it the, quote, non-pharmaceutical intervention, NPI, end of quote, and this is the first time this right this year, 2020, 13 years later, is the first time it's been implemented, but will certainly not be the last. Sam, this is a serious issue because it's just a scientific experiment that they conducted. Sure, her dad had a little bit of knowledge, but part of his work, they say, entailed computer models showing how people come in contact with each other in everyday life. So it's a quantum leap to talk about how people can come in contact with each other versus the sickness that may spread. It ignores things like herd immunity. It ignores things like when people have healthy immune systems, they don't get sick. They may or not become carriers. Uh, it relates to all kinds of situations. And what you can't do is put a model together by a computer and then throw different elements at that model and expect it to hold up consistently without other factors being introduced but flat out ignored. But understand that most healthy people with strong immune systems don't really have a problem. Their body fights it off. Eventually, society develops develops herd immunity. In this case, though, we're ignoring that. Now, the CDC folks created a, quote, social distancing policy in February 2007. They call it, quote, non-pharmaceutical interventions, um, lol, NPI, and this is the first time it's been used, what, 2007 till now, so uh, 13 years later, but it won't be the last, buddy. Yeah, yeah, very interesting, and, and that's why this it came out as left field big time when the great freakout occurred, you know, two months ago when they were telling people that they had a social distance. I mean, it was totally opposite of how you and I grew up, Sam. When, when we grew up, we were supposed to, to, to embrace germ life, basically, right? If the neighbors got the measles, we would go play with the neighbors to make sure we got the measles, too. Because, why? Because the immune system is thereby strengthened and guaranteed lifelong immunity to the measles once I contract that, the, the measles virus, as a kid, right? That's how we generate uh, 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 immunity, lifelong immunity. And, and that's why it's so it, – the, the current idea – that we shouldn't be avoiding the coronavirus is totally backwards. Well, and here's the problem. It's kind of like avoiding people when you get the cold. What people don't understand is if the cold was identical every time it rifled through society, we would all already have immunities to it, and it would mean nothing. The reason that the cold continues to ha uh, you know, get people sick over and over is because the disease, the virus, mutates. Same thing with the flu. Same thing with the corona. So even getting it isn't going to solve the problem. 
Okay? We're going to have to find ways to have strong immune systems. That's all there is to it. Anyway, we digress. Great articles, though. Now we want to talk about the whole truth and nothing but the truth on your radio. for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. I'd invite Mr. Trump to stop whining and go try to make his case to get votes. The press has created a rigged system. They even want to try and rig the election. Well, I tell you what, it, it helps in Ohio that we got uh, Democrats in charge of the machines. And poisoned the mind of so many of our voters. At the polling booths, where so many cities are corrupt and voter fraud is all too common. And then they say, oh, there's no voter fraud in our country. I come from Chicago. So, so I want to be honest, it's not as if it's just Republicans who have monkeyed around with elections in the past. Sometimes Democrats have to. You know, whenever people are in power, they're, you know, they have this tendency to try to, you know, tilt things in their direction. There's no one. You start whining before the game's even over. Whenever things are going badly for you and you lose, you start blaming somebody else. And you don't have what it takes to be in this job. Well, you tell the truth and but, nothing but the truth there, Law Buddy. <laughs> this is a, a fun call. And, um, it's fun, but it's deadly call. serious, ladies and gentlemen. Let's be clear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, I, I love BlueRockwell.com always, and they're great on this uh, corona apocalypse. They're great on the great freakout. <laughs> they're great on a lot of things. Now, this author, Paul Hain or Paul Hine, uh, he posted this article yesterday at lourockwell.com. I find it is fascinating. Uh, why do I think it's fascinating? Because I've often wondered, you know, about uh, when when a person is called to testify in a in a trial courtroom. Um, sometimes they aren't able to speak everything that they know, right? I mean, they 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 are they're told to answer the questions, and and they only can answer the question. With a yes or no, there's no maybes. They can't elucidate. They can't, uh, you know, they they can't quantify their answer. There's there's no middle ground. What if you got the, the prosecuting attorney asking you questions, and you then you can only answer stuff that's uh, going to be helpful to the prosecution. And if you got a defense attorney asking you questions, you can only answer the stuff that he allows you to answer, right? And so for a long time, Sam, I've wondered about that, and now. This Paul Haynes article, Paul Hine, he put into print 
some of the questions that I've been thinking about for a long time, for years, Sam. And so, so here it goes. Uh, you, it, basically, he, he, he presents the, a possible dialogue in a trial court between a judge and a person who is called to testify. So here's how it goes. The clerk of the court you know, asks him to raise his right hand, and then he asks the question, Do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Now, the witness for the plaintiff answers, no. Just a simple no. And the clerk asked incredulously, what? And the witness said, no. I said, no. And then the judge jumps in. He says, sir, am I to understand that you are not willing to tell the truth in this matter? And the witness answers, my objection is to the oath. My faith, my faith tells me not to take oath but to say yes when I mean yes, and to say no when I mean no. And you, that comes right out of the Bible, for those of you who are familiar with the Bible, right? Jesus says, you know, you know, don't swear an oath, don't swear by the heavens, don't swear by the earth, but just say yay, yay, nay, nay, let that be your conversation, right? Uh, okay, so back to this dialogue, this, this uh, uh, possible dialogue. So the judge says, um, very well, sir, if we eliminate the words, so help you God, then will that satisfy you? The witness says, well, that's a, a start, Judge, but I still have an objection. And the judge asks, well, to what? The witness says, I object to the phrase, the whole truth. It's, a, it's vague. And the judge says, no one has ever had that objection before. Why do you, uh, sir, why do you now have that objection? And the witness says, well, I am sure that the prosecutor has coached the witness to tell the truth, but no more than is absolutely necessary to avoid revealing anything that might be exculpatory, meaning helping the defense. I am sure the police and other investigators have been similarly coached, right? And so that's what the witness says. The judge then says, are you suggesting that there is anything improper in the prosecution's presentation of his case? The witness answers, I simply want to avail myself of the same opportunity, namely, to tell the truth, no more of it, as seems prudent. <laughs> the judge says, you've heard many other witnesses in this case take the oath to which you reject or object. None of them have presented any objections, much less those to which you object. Doesn't that tell you something? <laughs> the witness says, yes, sir. It tells me that it is very easy to follow the lead of thousands of people doing the very same thing over the years, even the centuries. It smooths the way and obviates any requirement to think about what you are doing. And the judge says, be that as it may, your attitude suggests that you might be willing to play fast and loose with the truth in this matter. Be assured, sir, that lying under oath is a serious crime. It's a felony. And the witness says, you have just reinforced my conviction that it's best, given your warning, not to take an oath. And the judge says, are you going to tell this court the truth or not? And the witness says, I assure you, sir, I will not lie to this court. And the judge says, but the whole truth? And the witness says, where does the whole truth end? He's asking the judge the question, where does the whole truth end? Would it include the vulgar and offensive language used by the policeman when he arrested the defendant? Would it include the fact that the policeman, the prosecutors, and you, sir, are all employees of the same political organization, namely the state, thus raising the question of a conflict of interest? Question mark. Well, a moment of pause, and then the judge says, Sir, I'd like to see you, along with the attorneys, in my chambers right now. <laughs> That's where the dialogue ends, Sam. 
but isn't that interesting? To but I say that's where the dialogue happens? ends in the example that you gave, but it's not where the dialogue ends here, Lowell, in the sense that this is serious business when you think about it. And, and what the um, you know uh, defendant is basically saying here is, listen, you want to bind me to feel like I have to be 100% transparent and candid to this court. And nobody else, let me say it again, no one else in this court is really willing to do the same. Because when you withhold information that's relevant, you've lied to the court. But yet they let that go by over and over and over. And oftentimes when you even try to bring up those highlights, they say, you didn't bring this up in advance, therefore it's not admissible in this case. You can't say that. You can't bring that in. You can't highlight this. Hey, the language of the cop is not on trial here. Shut up. You can't talk about that. And over and over. And what happens in the end is the jury if it ever goes that far, oftentimes they prevent it from going that far in the first place. But the jury, uh, in my opinion, gets a, quote, manipulated, not the whole truth view of the situation. And this is a brilliant highlighting of that reality, ladies and gentlemen, to where what is the whole truth? Is it the whole truth? If you don't know the cop is swearing, if you don't know everybody works for the same political organization, if you don't know that they, they oftentimes have backroom dealings to say, we'll talk about this, but we won't talk about that, and we'll let the jury know this, but we won't let the jury know that, and you're allowed to say this, which is factually accurate, but not morally correct, and so on, and we go on and on and on. This discussion is fascinating, Law. Yeah, it is, Sam. Like in the Ammon Bundy case, uh, they they wouldn't let Ammon or they wouldn't let the defense talk about a sincerely held belief, right? The, the courts often talk about the sincerely held belief. Well, his sincerely held belief that the Constitution does not allow the BLM to, um, you know, to to or control the land in his state because the state owned land. It hasn't been ceded to the, the general government by the state of Nevada, right? And and therefore, it's a sincerely held belief that the the Bundy uh, the Bundys held, and it is sincere. But that yet in court, they're not allowed to talk about it because that would be bringing the Constitution into the discussion. So we can't have that, right? And, and and this is the kind of shenanigan that goes on in court cases where you cannot talk about the law. You cannot talk about your understanding of the law because that would, you know, because they just don't admit that. They don't allow that type of information. That's See, that's part of the whole truth that ought to be brought out, that ought to be considered by the, the court, ought to be considered by the jury, and yet, as you so wisely, uh, so correctly stated, Sam, that is often the very things that are 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 uh, that are um, that are prohibited, where you can't—they're not admitted, they're 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 not considered by the court or by the jury because uh, of the so-called rules of of evidence and the rules of fairness and the, basically their their muzzles. That's the word I was looking for. It's muzzles. On you as a defendant, if you ever went into court to defend yourself, you or you had a friend to testify in your behalf, he would be muzzled to the point where he could not tell the whole truth. He could not bring forward exculpatory evidence that would be beneficial to your case. Uh, and when we say nothing but the truth, if you leave out things that paint the whole truth picture, then you, my friend, are not telling the whole truth by your silence. Yeah. Uh, and the cops do that very well nine-tenths of the time, and that's, you know, really part of the problem. So, anyway, brilliant and educational 
about the reality, to say the least. Let's finish up on property rights, because property rights in the coronavirus are being violated left and right, sir. They sure are, Sam. And a lot of people, uh, the, the point of this column is, is, is really, and by the way, this is uh, uh, Michael Bolden from the Tenth Amendment Center in a podcast uh, a couple of Wednesdays ago bringing this out. Uh, he, he's bringing out the, the fact that a lot of people think that the founders didn't value property rights very much because they didn't write that into the Declaration of Independence. They didn't write that in the Constitution. They only mentioned it in passing, right? And, and it turns out that um, the Declaration of Independence has this statement, uh, we hold these truths to be self-evident. Everybody knows the statement. All men are created equal. They're endowed by the Creator by, with certain un- unalienable rights, and among these are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Well, I find myself wishing all the time that they would have ended it with the phrase uh, life, liberty, and property, because that's what they really meant when they said the pursuit of happiness. This is what... They wanted to use flowery language. They wanted to make the Declaration poetic. And so they said, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. But what they really meant was life, liberty, and property. And um, uh, so, and, and because they really believed that the, 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 the right to property is the right to, to liberty. That's what protects your liberty, is, you, is your right to property. And for that very reason, that's why there are so many of the amendments to the Constitution, meaning the first ten, the Bill of Rights, wherein property is mentioned. It's enthroned there, like in in Amendment Number 5, no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, uh, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. Right? The founders were worried that Congress might use the tax system to loot property owners in some states for the advantage of other states. And sadly, well, might on the other end is laughable, huh? <laughs> yeah, it sounds so familiar because that's what happens in every state nowadays. Um, all around us and, and, and by the general government, they loot your property um, to, to, to form some advantage for uh, basically they socialize the cost and privatize the benefits whether it's a welfare program or it's uh, uh, funding the, the production of ammunition and, and tanks and fighter planes, whatever, but they socialize that cost, meaning they spread the tax burden out as broadly as possible, and then they, they privatize the benefit, meaning they, the benefit of that tax dollar goes to a select few uh, people. And then they also socialize the liability, but create secrets around that socializing of the liability so people don't realize what's being uh, done. Case in point, the Vaccine Injury Compensation Fund is a perfect example of that. Oh, great point. Now, the the vaccination, uh, uh, the fund there, uh, basically it's no-fault insurance so that you they're never so the the pharmaceutical companies that create those vaccines are not responsible for the damage that the vaccines do and so they this fund pays you a little bit of money for your silence not to sue them but that highlights the uh, pattern being used here is the point yeah yeah good point great all right incredible article ladies and gentlemen i mean lowell always has so much phenomenal information it's hard to get to it all i'm telling you that right now lowell thank you so much sir for your preparation for all that you do for the sacred cause of liberty sir good to be with you gentlemen Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org, doing a phenomenal job telling the tale of freedom. 
And uh, you know what? I think he is telling the whole truth, nothing but the truth. But that's just my opinion. Hey, there you go. All right, hard-hitting talk. Hour one in the can, hour two coming up. Dr. Scott Bradley will be with us, ladies and gentlemen, so stay tuned for that. Kirk Cosby's on the road a little bit. He'll be joining us as well. I'm Sam Bushman. And for Sam Bushman and Lowell Nelson, Kirk Cosby, Scott Bradley, and the whole crew, we declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America.